Yo, welcome to Peace of No Mind. My name is Raymond Tanner and this is the podcast where I'll be interviewing amazing individuals as I find out what a peace of mind means to them and some of the valuable lessons they've learned throughout their journey. Each episode has been recorded at a different stage throughout lockdown, pandemic, just overall COVID living. If you like this podcast, make sure to hit me up, subscribe, send it to a colleague, send it to a friend, just send it on and follow me on socials at Peace of No Mind Show on Instagram and Peace of No Mind on Twitter. Anywho, it's been a minute. to welcome Toby. Do you just want to give a quick one-line brief introduction? Sure. Uh, I'm Toby Green Adenoo. I'm uh, a wheelchair user and I am 27. I dance and I do TV. Mad. So I know that we've been trying to like find some time to get you in the studio and I say the studio but it's it's pretty much whatever room you've probably been in um, yeah. at home. <laughs> Welcome Legit. to the studio. The, yeah, the studio, the film room, the everything. We got yeah. it. The studio, the bedroom, the, yeah. the, the dinner room. Like Literally, yeah. no one can Legit. tell me this room isn't multi-purpose. But we're in the studio just, just for today. We're in the studio. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's, it's, I'm, I'm just genuinely like interested in like, how, how have you kind of been over the last few days? Um, I've been super, super, super busy. But um, it's been hard to balance. Um, I've had tears. I've had happiness. I've had joy. Um, I've had anger. It's been it's been a bit of a wild roller coaster. If I'm honest, mm-hmm. um, the time that we're living in it's very confusing for young people, especially um, for myself as an activist, as someone who is you know really trying to represent on TV and in dance. It's hard. Um, but in the last few days, it's been a growing, like, process to success, I would say. Jeez, a growing process to success. You might need to drop them <laughs> blueprints because my last few days, I don't know if they've been a growing process to success, but I like that as a, as a, as a, what a day or what like a, a few days could represent. So what, how was, how was the kind of whole isolation period been for you? And obviously we won't spend too much time on it, but I just want to know like how pandemic as a whole treated you. Well, let's start off with majority of disabled people in general um, that have severe or chronic diseases are usually in a pandemic anyway. Like we live that life and we have for a long time. Like that's not new to us. Um, The only difference is, is that um, there's more of a threat. Um, There's like an extra threat, if that makes sense. Most of us are in and out of the medical field, like going in and out of the hospital. And we're we're very, you know, we can get sick easily. And that's something that people don't really necessarily talk about or think about at all. Like even if if you look back um, on all the stories that have been told on the news, disabled people have been forgotten. Um, we have always been in and out of hospital and, and trapped in our homes um, based on our health and we have to stay in our bedrooms for months on end that is the reality of a lot of people's lives especially for me um, I have something called agoraphobia based on 
my lifestyle. It's not even something that I choose, but sometimes going out can be very overwhelming. Mm. Um, and even more so during this time of, you know, COVID-19 and everything else going on. Well, main, mainly that, to be honest, and the way it's being marketed. So we're, in our lifestyle, we are always in this world of we need to stay indoors, we need to keep safe, we need to stay still, stuff like that. And so we're always fighting to be able to be with you guys and be part of the world. But when it comes to our health, it does hold us back. And that is the reality. Um, our impairments are something that we live with, but our disability when we leave the home is what affects us and then makes our life almost into a pandemic where you literally panic. You, you're scared of going outside and you don't want to get sick. Um, like ag agoraphobia is an anxiety disorder. You can get into anxious states when yeah. like the thought of going outside or actually being outside, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's no different to people who are who want to really be outside and they don't like being indoors. Mm. So it's exactly the same concept that um you know you feel like you're you're trapped um and you you know you just can't no matter how much you want to go outside you sometimes just mentally can't you know you've been held back. Um and I feel like a lot of us ha who have been in and out of hospital a majority of our life from a very young age are used to being institutionalized in terms of um, to that hospital itself and having to go back and forward or being in there for months at a time. So I was in hospital for five months. It was almost like being in prison based on the fact that I couldn't go out when I wanted to and you know what I mean? Yeah. So, so it does mess up your mental health, basically. When you when you hear people maybe who have had like a really hard time in, let's say, lockdown, it's not like you're taking anything away, but you're, you're no. almost shining a light on this is this is a reality for some people for years. This is this has been someone's reality. Exactly, and that's why a lot of us are screaming online that hey, when you go back to normal life, don't forget there are people that live yeah. like this all the time man hey toby like people are probably just like curious as ever to like know a bit more about you because you just you just rolled straight in and it was like yo this is really what i'm saying i'm here i'm here this is what i'm saying and uh, did you hear yes. me did, did you hear um, right. <laughs> did you hear is the big question what i was going to say is um i definitely want to get into a bit more of that and a bit more of like the links to you being in hospital but because mm. you're on peace of no mind i want to make sure that you understand and you get that peace of no mind experience mm. when i ask all the guests what does a peace of mind mean to you and how is it best achieved mm. peace of mind to me is when i accept that i can't change anything and that you can only do your best with what you have whether that's physically mentally or spiritually there are people who physically can't move or even talk, but they have peace of mind. Even if you think that they don't, they do. They do. They're very happy people um, and they're happy to be here. So peace of mind to me is definitely knowing your worth and knowing who you are, even if you were deaf, blind, 
to say whatever. You don't have to be what society says you should be. Be yourself and then you'll have a peace of mind. Jeez. Yes. Yes. <laughs> if we can let a few off in the air. Yes, we did. <laughs> <laughs> um, I let off a few off, man. Like, I need one of those soundboards. Just... <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Invest, invest. No, you got, you need to get him one. Come on, ASAP, the holy water, sprinkle, ASAP. sprinkle, click, click. <laughs> so where do we move from here? Now. You're doing a lot. You're doing a lot, man. We're like ten minutes in, and I'm already here, like just like you mad. No, but Toby, you got gems, like, honey, gems. You, honestly, honestly, <laughs> like you've got you've got so much spirit and energy. And when 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 we're looking at stuff like peace of no mind and like your journey. Um, it uh, would it would be fair to say, like maybe at different points in your life, you would have experienced some forms of hardships that you've had to overcome, or ways of thinking that you've had to kind of secure in yourself in order to 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 find some sort of peace. Would that be fair to say? Yeah, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. So, if I were to ask you a little bit about your your journey and a little bit about your disorder, because I know that you you have osteogenesis imperfecta type three. Um, could I, right. Sorry, I didn't want to. I didn't want to yes, actually flash in it. I didn't okay. want to, but I do know that is what the situation <laughs> is, and um, I yeah, it's which is a form of brittle bones. But I would love it mm. if you could just kind of paint for us like what 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 that actually means, and a little bit about um your your initial diagnosis. Sure. Okay. So I don't have anyone in my family with my condition. And the way I kind of found out was my mom, she came over here and uh, in, to, to England from Nigeria and she had me. And when she had me, she didn't know that I had this condition. So it kind of caused me to end up in care, basically, because People believed that she was hurting me or abusing me because of me breaking so many bones. So part of the condition is that I break bones super, super easy. I have broken a bone by literally rolling over in bed. My whole thigh has broken in half by rolling over in bed. So at the same time, I've been part of lots of activities where I won't break anything at all. So. Let's go back to me being very young. When I lived with my mom, it was in and out of foster care. It wasn't, it wasn't a, a, a set time that I was in care. I moved 18 different foster homes. And out of the 18 different foster homes during that time, and from, from that time till now, I've broken 75 bones. Did she know at birth that... You, you had osteogenesis? No, no, or... no. No one okay. did. So, so at... in 1992, which is when I was born, still then, because osteogen osteogenesis imperfecta is a rare bone disease. Not everyone has it. Um, there's like, I can't remember the exact number, but there's like n not a lot of people with this condition. And then on top of that, not a lot of people that are black with this condition. Mm. So when doctors wanted to diagnose me or try and work out what the hell's wrong with me, they just didn't take enough time. So what they did instead was accuse my mum of abusing me and put me straight into the care system. So from... And this... Yeah. From what age was that that you'd, you, you, you entered the care system? Uh, three months old. 
So some of your earliest memories probably wouldn't have been memories of your mother would it did she stay in 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 touch yeah so I was with her quite a lot of the time up until the age of like seven or eight um then after that that's when I ended up full-time in care there was something that happened that was quite traumatic and caused me um to have to put myself into foster care to keep safe can you remember like some of your earliest or one of your earliest incidents of feeling as though a bone had been broken hmm I never thought about that um yes it was Christmas time and my legs were suspended in the air because I'd broken both my legs and it was in traction actually there's a picture of it um and I remember I was very young then I think I was about five four or five um and I remember the smell of the room. I remember the pain I was in. I remember them putting me into traction and me screaming in pain. And my mum just sort of sitting there kind of worried about her child and, you know, like seeing that trauma in my face, basically, when they were trying to get me to to be in this traction and straighten out the legs and stuff. So um, it it's... That was that was the 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 like the moment I realized, oh wow, this is actually painful. Whatever's wrong with me is really, really painful. And I don't know why. And like anyone who has broken a bone before, you'll be feeling the exact same sensations. Is that correct? Yeah, it's the same feeling. It's just a lot more dramatic because I don't just break one bone. Um I some not all the time, but sometimes I break somewhere else as well. So if I've broken one place, I break another place and that and then I've got an intensity of even more pain. And because I was young, I didn't really understand, you know, keeping still. I didn't really you know what I mean? So I was breaking more bones because I wasn't aware of what my condition was. And also as a child who's exploring and making sense of the world, naturally you're gonna be walking towards this or trying to run towards this mm-hmm. or trying to slap this, which probably would have had a knock-on effect in, in a bone breaking, right? Sure. Yeah, 100%. And yeah, the pain, the pain is the same. I have, that's why I'm on so much medication. Um, the same kind of medication you would have if you uh, broke a bone. But the only difference is, is that the lasting effects of it after is what still affects me today. Because I've had so many breaks... It's like a collection. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, that's the best word. Souvenir, I get. I get a souvenir each time I've broken a bone. So lucky. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Literally. So I've got x-rays all on my wall. Legit. And this is the way, like, I'm, I'm sorry, this is my wallpaper. Right. Um, and it, even in terms of the actual recovery process, is there is there anything that would differ in that recovery process at all? Like, do the bones heal and eventually strengthen? Um, well, one one thing I didn't mention before is that when I break, or when anyone with this condition breaks, their bone doesn't heal the same. So, unlike yourself, my bones will not heal straight ever again, and they will probably they'll probably get weaker as time goes on which is what's been happening to me. So eventually uh, my bones will be so weak where 
I won't be able to move as much or breathe as much and stuff like that. Or even here, because obviously there's bones in your ear as well. Mm. So um, you, you've just confirmed to me that the actual process of the healing isn't the exact same. So when mm. you break, this has longer. This has a longer term effect than anyone else who might just naturally break it, and it would be like, all right, cool. This is now. Now, if we straighten it out and put it in a cast, yeah, it should heal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, that's true. I didn't even think of that actually. But yeah, that is geez. true. I, that's how mm. you know I've accepted who I am. And I have a peace of mind. Like, I just get on with it. I don't, I don't, um, harper on things that I can't change. So you've got, you've got, um, osteogenesis imperfecta mm-hmm. type three. Mm-hmm. And then at the same time, growing up, there was the backdrop of entering different care institutions and different foster homes, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. So I had a double whammy for sure. And being a black woman too, that had a mm-hmm. huge effect. Um, I, in the 18 different foster homes that I went to, only three, no, four of them were people of colour. Were they foster homes around the, uh, around London? Was this, where was this based in the UK? Everywhere around, well, mainly the south part of the UK, but yeah. Um, so Kent, um, Sussex, all of that. Would you find that like you would be with a family or with a, in a, in a care home for a year or two. What was the kind of duration of each of these sp- like spaces? The longest time I ever stayed in one place is five years. Um, and the shortest time was one day. Um, m- most of the time I would move from place to place based on me being in a wheelchair and um, based on my needs. They were not met, you know. Because I, I read somewhere you've openly stated that some families being carers are, are for the wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. And growing up and going through the care system, you were able to identify that some of the people had the wrong intentions for why they would adopt um, or why they would look after an individual who had different needs. Yeah, for sure. Like, um, so some carers managed to get a whole extension on their home um, in the name of like, obviously me having a bedroom and a toilet that I can use. And some of them ended up with conservatories and all this sort of stuff. And it can be an incentive for the wrong reasons. You know, at the same time, like not everyone is like that. I want to be clear, but the ones that are like that, I think it, it became a problem because they were getting loads more money for me than the other kids. And yet, in some homes I was not treated the best at all probably the worst out of all of the kids to the point where some of the kids even stole from me you know um it was really really bad um so I was put in very compromising positions and I don't think it was screened enough in my opinion I can imagine there there must have been a whole fear of not knowing the other children in the care home Mm. not knowing the the parents and who who was going to who who were maybe going to look after you for this period, and then more importantly, like not knowing what your future looked like. Yeah, I mean, let's start with back then. They used to move you in bin bags. They didn't even give you a suitcase. So already, what message does that send to a child? My first suitcase was when I was ten. That's the first time I ever owned. I still have it till this day in my bedroom to remember where I came from and what's happened. All kids in care are, they they feel not the best. They don't feel 
cherished and loved and stuff. But it's even worse when you are, uh, when you do have an impairment and you're also disabled in your own foster home. Listen, they put me in foster homes where I had to climb the stairs. No access. No access. And I mean, although I was okay with that, now looking back on it, that shouldn't have been allowed, especially the fact that I've got brittle bones. It makes no sense. So, I mean, yeah, fair enough. I wanted to move to London and stuff like that. But the safeguarding there should have been way higher. And so, for as I said, the thing is, it's hard to place children with, with disabilities in foster homes because of their um, physical needs. But the safeguarding needs to be way more than it is for other kids purely on the basis that they are really, really vulnerable. Um, I don't want to say too much about like the real dangerous things until, you know, I'm backed up by a, a, someone who can help me really put it into a documentary and stuff. But all I can say is that there is huge corruption when it comes to fostering children with disabilities. There are things that are going on that are just unacceptable, in my opinion. Did you did you feel at periods that you were facing some form of neglect? 100%. In most of the homes, if I'm honest, not all, but most. What was your relationship to like peace of mind over those years? I think I always, I don't know how to explain this. I always knew that I would be okay eventually and that I would be able to have my own life independently and I could make, make success somehow out of this crazy mess that I'm going through. Um, I mean, there have, there was one particular time in my life where I was, I was, I think I was 14 or 15 and I wanted to commit suicide. I was really, really sad. And so the way I got through that is when I was in the hospital, I kind of remembered that where, like where I've come from and that I am a black woman and that I can get through this and that I, I can be resilient. I can get through this and I'll be okay soon. I just, I think I just always held on to hope that I would be able to speak up. And now I am that big child that I can speak up. I'm, I'm, I've turned into an adult and now I'm able to speak up. You know, I'm that, that young child. I, I need to, I feel like I need to protect that person because, and the people that look just like, look like me basically that's a thing in in, in terms of people need, feeling like they need to protect that inner child and what wanting to ensure that you know the person who never had the the, the confidence before to to let the world know that they were hurting or unhappy mm. or were not going to stand for it the adult version is going to be the representation exactly yeah you, yeah you said a powerful quote it was it's the things that we fear about ourselves that end up being the making of us mm. and what was the the first experiences of kind of breaking out of the care system and you you maybe coming to terms and kind of seeing that light? Um, dance and wheelchair racing was what made me realise that I'm not going to let things overtake me. The sad things overtake who I am and where I'm going. Came out of the foster care system at 17. A little bit before then, I realised my power and I realize that whenever I do get that freedom, I will be able to use it later on. Um, so when the moment I started wheelchair racing and I'd heard the gun go off, because I used to be, I used to do a hundred meter sprint and that, that particular action 
set me free. It set me free. It made me feel fearless. It made me feel like, okay, I can conquer stuff physically and mentally, no matter what, you know? So doing sports and doing dance made me realize my inner power, basically. Did you get introduced to wheelchair racing at the age of 15? Was that a thing that you were like, hold, hold on? Like some, who, who, how did that whole first interaction play out? Mm, so I went to a, a school in, it's near Brighton. It's a school where it's a, for sports. It's a sports school and they, they are mixed with able-bodied and disabled students. So it's a mainstream school. And at the mainstream school, there were people that had been there way before me. Um, people like Tani Gray Thompson. She opened up the gym for disabled people to work out in um, and stuff like that. And so that school kind of set off my future. Had I not gone to that school, I don't think I would be where I am today. It gave me so much more power because I realized that I could conquer anything through the dance. And so there was one particular sports teacher. Uh, I'm not going to say his full, I'm not going to say his name, but he... Call him out. <laughs> yeah, all of it. Name, age, like everything. <laughs> Tell us, let us know. Social media is active. We've got time. That's one thing everyone has. So call him out. No, no, no. I can't. No, play, no, play. Don't, don't, don't. Drag no, no, him. No, no, <laughs> Tell me his name. Yeah. No, I can't. No, tell me afterwards. Yeah. But, uh, um, but no, the he, one teacher. Yeah, this one teacher, he was just amazing. Like, he saw so much in me. And then on top of that, on top of having him as a double whammy, I ended up with an amazing dance teacher too. Um, so I had a powerhouse around me. I had a family in my school. I made, listen, I make family wherever I go. Friends are my family. The quote that I, I said the other day was, strangers are my family. Strangers are the people that have made me who I am today. And that's why I, I always advocate that we all love each other, no matter what background we come from. Because when there's a need for it, like when you're a teacher and you need to teach young kids to, to, to embrace who they are through something, you know, it's important. It's, it keeps people like me who don't have a stable home to, to have a, a happy life later on in life, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, honestly, I, I can only give back by what I'm doing right now because if it weren't for them and the, the environment that, that I had that was so fruitful and amazing and I could blossom into a young woman mm -hmm. and be given an opportunity. And let's, let's be clear, this school wasn't really, you know, um, it was outside of London the majority of the kids were white, but Brighton is a very uh, multicultural area, even more so than London, I would say, in terms of the way they teach kids at school. It's a lot more freer and like you, there's no judgment whether you're in a wheelchair, whether you're gay, whether it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. They don't care. And so from there, you get encouraged regardless of who you are. I think that's important. Everyone needs to learn that. You are a vessel and no matter what, you need to teach people that you can be who you want to be and 
you've got to encourage them no matter what they look like. Don't judge them from the outside. Would you say these two teachers in particular helped you see what was able rather than focused on what, what some hindrances were? Yeah, 100%. This is the reason why all the pain that I've been through, Ray, is, if I'm honest, worth it. It was all worth it. And the reason why I say that is because I've now been able to be in a position that a lot of disabled people that are black are not in. I live on my own. I drive my own car. I have um, good PAs around me now. I'm fighting for my rights and other people's rights. And I have self-belief and I have peace of mind. Boop, boop. Sorry. <laughs> so, it, again, the gunshots came out, but very, but like, I tried to make it discreet this Literally. time, but I couldn't help. I couldn't help. Honestly, honestly. Uh, but no, no honestly, no, no. The, all my friends, they're amazing people, but I can see that as a black disabled person living at home, they struggle. They're, they're not on the same level as I am. And that's, that's not, not to say I'm better than them. It's to say that I, I've had to be pushed into a position where I didn't really ask for it. But at the same time, it means that I can fight for them. I know what freedom looks like. No, no one tells me what I can or can't do. I make the decisions for myself based on however I feel at the time or, or what I want to pursue. And from all the experiences and having the freedom to, th to think however I want to think, I now have no restrictions in my mind. So that, that brings me on to the next question I was going to ask you. So like looking back over your life, because I, I want to get into the dancing stuff sure, afterwards, sure. but looking, looking back over your life, mm. what is one thing for certain that you know about navigating the world? Mm. That you can't make it without others. You can't build on your own. That's the one thing I've learned. You can't build on your own. Don't harm, don't hurt yourself because you're, you're feeling stuck. Ask for help. Mm. We're a community. Oh. We're supposed to love each other. We're supposed to be there for each other. That's how we were intended to be on this earth. Some of, some of the, the main influences who helped you with wheelchair racing, mm. um, but then more so the bit that we never touched too much on was, was dancing. And... Um, yeah, like I, I know, I, I don't know how, but I, I've, I've seen it. Mm. But you went to America to go do some <laughs> stuff and come back with trophies for Imagine. days. You went to America and showed them. I, I don't even think they were ready. It was a bit unfair. It was a bit unfair. You, you just you thought you could catch flight and just let them know, like, yo, I've come down. Listen, like, explain to me what, what was that process? Listen, I made history and people don't even know yet. It's so and funny. Now they know, though. And I saw. I don't know how I saw, but I know. I just remember thinking, yeah. nah, you did not sweep all them trophies and then you're catching British Airways back to Heathrow. Nah, you're taking a pickle. How you, how you, take, how you taking that? Nah, come on. Listen, listen. listen. There's, there's some disrespect there, but obviously deserved. But So what hmm. happened was I decided to study dance and TV at uni. I was always posting it on Instagram. And eventually, these amazing people from America saw me. And, the, and at that time, I think I had about 500 followers, maybe, maybe less. Um, it wasn't much. And 
But what the, the content that I was posting was what was being appreciated of me dancing on the floor, dancing, um, doing technique, doing footwork, doing ballet work, doing all these things that I truly enjoy. All my contemporaries, my baby. So um, I've always been doing contemporary dance because it allows me to express myself. So I'd always post that online. And from there, they saw it and they were like, oh, OK would you like to come over and meet us and stuff? I was like, okay, I'm down. And then I went the second time, uh, which was last year. And for the first time, they held uh, the first disabled, or should I say wheelchair event with 150 women, all in wheelchairs, that came from around the world. Um, and there was a Boundless Talent Summit show. Um, and I, I said, you know what, sod it, I'm going to enter. And I said, you know what, I'm going to see where, where it takes me. And I promised myself I would keep my pride on that stage. I will, I will show who I am and that I come from Nigeria and I'm, 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 I'm English and I'm in America right now. So hmm. <laughs> I was like, right. Hmm. Yeah, come with, you came with ammo. <laughs> ammo, they weren't, they weren't they ready. Were ready they weren't ready, fam. Listen, listen. Man. Listen, I had the song ready. The song is Peng. Listen, if you lot hear, if you see the dance, you're going to be like, okay, is that you? Yeah. So listen, I chose a song where I knew I would go off. Yeah. It was, was it the banj? It was either the banj or what? Listen, I gave them. I gave them. I just said, hey, listen, you prefer, you need to know I'm here. Okay. because the thing is a lot of the dances that they were doing were not cultural and i said no 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 no. today they will see culture today (laughs) today they will see they will see i've arrived okay (laughs) so i tell you listen i put one nice outfit on i did listen my hair was oh it was doing bits it was doing bits culture okay i had little bantu knots and curly hair and I just gave them, I just gave them carnival, I gave them power, I gave them... Listen, hey, come and see the room. Oh, they listen. got the oil, they got, the, they got all of the flavours. And, and that's what I mean, they must have really thought it was unfair. And For like, you, what happened? You ended up sweeping like, how I many trophies? Two. The, I won two the, tro- yeah, I won the grand, the overall grand, come and see my face. I was in shock. <laughs> Because I was just doing it for fun. I like dancing in it. So I wasn't really yeah. thinking, oh, yeah, I'm looking to win. No. Even, in fact, I thought the kids were going to win. I thought, oh, bless, isn't that cute? Imagine. <laughs> so I got, I got one, I got one trophy that, oh, you know, the adult, the adult section. I won that. I was like, okay, cool. Then come and see them say, right, well, um, we, we want to announce the grand winner. And um, we're going to uh, give them this massive trophy. And uh, we just want to say we love you. And da, da 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 And I was like, oh, this is so sweet. It's so cute. Bless them. The kids are going to love it. Imagine. <laughs> <laughs> Come and see my face, bruh. These the times. She these says, times. They call out your name. Yo. Yo. She really said Toby. Uh, I said, eh? <laughs> what? And can I just point out? These the the judges the people the people on the panel one of them knows Tupac. It wasn't Jada Pinkett Smith. <laughs> it, nah. wasn't, it wasn't Will Smith's wife, was it? No, 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 no. Listen, there's a lot of people that know a lot of people in LA. Yeah, yeah. You know, mm. and it was it was it was 
honestly, she's the, this particular lady. She's royalty in the wheelchair community. Mm. Yeah. And the fact that she and along with the other judges chose me. Woo. That was just it was an honor. It was an honor. It was almost like, nah, Toby, you're legit. Like this, the other guy that was on the panel, he does like Hollywood movies, my guy. This is a big panel. These are panels of like people who you respect and who are active in the, in the scene. Bruh, it's, mm. it, it come like I met the queen. <laughs> For real. Yes, yes. I say, okay, so this is the power I am I'm really carrying. Yeah. This is the power. And I even, imagine I didn't put in, I didn't even put in Vim. I just was me. <laughs> You just channeled it, though, but you Imagine. channeled the truth. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. The fact that you said you, you went there and you weren't ashamed to show that you're going to bring the Nigerian essence. You weren't afraid to show that you're going to bring your British. And most importantly, you weren't afraid to bring just all of yourself and nothing less. Right. So th- that combination is always going to be lethal. Like when, when someone's literally speaking their truth, whether that's mm. through movement, whether that's through vocals, whether that's through, you know, written words, like it's unstoppable force. Sometimes it's way too big to handle. Like you are a vessel in those moments there when you're just channeling it through. Yeah. But, and it can be too much for people, if I'm oh. honest. It can, it can. And I, 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 I get it, but I try to teach them that, listen, you can be that same way, my guy. Just mm. channel it. Just channel it. My one came from pain. I get I get it. I understand. But I'm sure you've been through something. Use that same something that really hurt you and flip it. Mm. Flip it on its head and tell them, what? Listen. <laughs> no, not today. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So Listen. What, what... What what came did did like did you did you swap some contact details or was this just more of oh, a reaffirmation? Yeah. What I'm going back. I'm going back. <laughs> yeah, they what they invited back. Listen, I'm a hustler. I'm a hustler. <laughs> What's gone on is um I uh, so it would have been this year. I would have come this year for free. Um and then what I do is I would have handed over it to the next winner. Um and then I also as part of that which they didn't really state it, but I took advantage of that that situation. And I said, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make connections with these people. I forgot to add that I brought my best friend with me. Fat. Fat and my timbo. Jeez, Fat is... Uh, do you know how much love I have for Fat? She's actually a G. Like, Honestly. That was where I'd seen it. So this is why, yeah, I was just trying to work out how I'd seen this. Yeah. But I, I saw you. I saw you doing it all. I saw it then because I saw it through Fats' Instagram. Oh, uh, okay. That's where it must have first. This is it. Yeah, it makes Say sense. Say no more. Yeah. No, and Fatima, for those who just tuned into the show, um, I previously recorded an episode with Fats, like, an absolute G. And you mm. two, you two, like, are what? Best friends in real life in a, mm-hmm. in a world. You've got each other's backs. For real. For mm. real. We will always and forever have each other's back. Um, like she's my sister, basically. Like if I if I've got a problem, I can just go over to hers. I can stay at hers. She, her family are my family. They've helped me with all sorts of things. We're we're very close. And this is going to seem like a silly question, but it's one of those that I want to ask because it has to be. When you're dancing, how does that affect your bones, and are you at prone to to actually breaking anything? This question reminds me of um, when I had a. a I was on ITV and mm-hmm. this guy, uh, Eamon Harris, 
Amen. Is Amen, Amen, Amen. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, he was like, well, why would you dance? Like, what? why would you dance? Isn't it dangerous? And I said to him, do you know that dance itself makes my bones stronger? And the reason why it does is because the muscles around my bones start to kind of cushion the bone. So the more I'm moving, the more I'm exercising, my muscles are protecting my bones. So me moving and doing stuff is actually quite helpful. And um, I know my limits. I know what's enough, when is enough is enough. I know when to rest. I know how long I need to rest for. Because um, remember, as I said before, I used to train for the Paralympics. So I'm aware of being of listening to your body, basically, um, and the pain levels and stuff like that. So I'm just very intuitive with my body when I'm dancing and I don't really think about my condition at the time. And and then if if there is a problem after I finish dancing, then I look after it. I just nurse it and make sure I'm okay and, and we move on. I've never broken a bone, funny enough, when I've danced, well, ever, well, danced. which is wild. Yeah. But this is it. Then it means that it's this is this is something like you've got more trophies to win. Like I'm sorry, like, <laughs> legit, I'm here. Legit. I'm sorry, like not today, and I'm here for you. Like I've got uh, you got my full support. You got more trophies to win. Dancing a nice, not... call me. <laughs> Come on, listen strictly. Are you mad? Like we're gonna Trust make me. this happen. Um, and uh, listen, it's, it's 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 sick to have you on. Like again, your energy and your vibe is is it's just one of a kind. Like you and and any and listen, you're you're definitely an OG. Jeez, um, you already come know. On, come on, <laughs> listen. Do you know what? Like, as as we're kind of approaching towards like the the the, the end, like, there's a few mm. questions that I just want to ask. And usually, if we're in the studio, I would have blessed this mic, so we would have said this would be the mic that mm. the truth will come out of. But mm. what are what is your future plans? What are you hoping to kind of start manifesting or bringing into your bringing into your world? Mm, I want to own my own TV network for disabled actors, singers, dancers, producers, and so on. I want to be Oprah Winfrey in a chair and a better person as well, because we all know she's gone mm, a bit problematic. <laughs> you know what? You no, know, you're, you're going to be just Toby. Yeah, I'm. I'm. A, I'm. I'm going to part the seas for disabled people that are black or who've been from the care system and that's on period. What I'm looking to do um, and you guys can support um, is I'm looking to create a TV network. It's going to be called Disabled Black Power TV. Um, and we, obviously I'm going to have to start it on YouTube, but I would like it to be manifested into an actual channel um, so we could maybe try and get MTV to have it on regularly or something. I don't know, but I have to start from somewhere and I need you lots help. Um, I don't have that much money, um, but I'm trying my best to start with what I have. Um, so if anyone wants to chip in or they want to reach out and they have something that they can offer, even yourself, right? Um, Come on. Yes. Thank um, you, man. Can you tell people where they can find you, like your handles and just if they wanted to see a little bit more about Toby? Sure, sure. So uh, Tough Cookie Tea is my online uh, name. So come over and see me over there. It's Tough, T-O-U-G-H, Cookie, and then T-E-E. -E. Just three questions before we wrap up. 
what is the happiest day of your life? When I graduated. When you graduated uni. Mm. Mm. When I graduated uni, that was, I was ecstatic, mate. I thought, raw, I actually did it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. What's something that overwhelms you? Mm. Being able to be successful is very overwhelming. And finally, what's the best piece of advice someone else has given you? Mm. That I should set a date for my dream. Set an actual date in your calendar for your yeah. dream? Yeah. I like that. And that... guess what? I received that yesterday. Whoa. And guess I what? I received what? that today and I'm about to go set a date for my dream. <laughs> yes. Jeez. Look at that. Like, and, oh man, Toby, this has definitely been like, energy is on a hundred. Like, like you're, you're so sick. You're so sick. I can feel your smile feel, through, through, I, through. Listen, the... I'm just naturally, I, I, I smile and I laugh a lot and I love people and environments that just increase that. Like that is all I ask for the world. All right. Take care, everyone. Bye.